Hey, what's going on? A good Tuesday afternoon to you. Welcome on into lunch with Claves and Joe here on ClavesOnline.com, driven by Munganash St. Louis Acura and powered by Ameren, Illinois. I am Joe Roderick, joined alongside by Mike Claiborne, who is in sunny and I'm going to guess much cooler San Diego uh, right now. Yeah, it's not bad. Uh, it's the same weather forecast every day. Uh, Mid 70s during the day, marine layer rolls in, falls into the 60s. A little breezy though this morning we took a walk this morning and it was a little breezy but you know what it's nothing to complain about no it's uh yeah absolutely there there are worse places to be in the uh, in late september than uh than san diego the uh, the schedule makers did you guys well uh they did you some favors this year with san diego and la at the end of the year yeah you know normally we're out here i think next year we're out here on the first road trips mm-hmm. so yeah. it just kind of varies uh you know, San Francisco's always a tricky one because the weather's always dicey there, but it's pretty consistent here. So uh, we should be in good shape. And when you think about San Francisco, I mean, San Diego, L.A., and uh, Milwaukee, I don't think we have to worry about rain. Uh, weather will be fairly consistent, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and uh, this will this will be a nice test because Very you're playing good three, uh, right. three good teams in a row on the road and the way the uh the way everything's lining up right now the cardinals are going to be seeing the padres again here in about uh, two and a half three weeks in that uh, in that wild card round of the playoffs too yeah and it's going to be three home games for the cardinals but you know when you look at these teams and, and while san diego is sitting in the hot spot now uh philadelphia milwaukee still charging hard it, it's going to be i think it's going to be a scuffle down the road and, and I, I caution cardinal fans uh, as I just learned that the great Maury Wills just passed. And uh, I don't know. I know you never saw him play, but Maury Wills was the Lou Brock before Lou Brock. All the mm-hmm. records Brock broke were set by Maury Wills. One of the nicest men you will ever meet. Uh, got to know him after his career a lot better. Loved to come to St. Louis because then he said there were so many clubs he could go dance at. He said They said he'd stay up all night dancing, uh, <laughs> but he was a great player. Probably a guy just on that cusp of being maybe in the veterans committee of being in the Hall of Fame because he made that Dodger offense go in the 60s. But, yeah, just learned about his passing and uh, may God rest his soul and certainly thoughts to his family. Um, uh, I was going to say, quick correction here. Philadelphia is actually in that third wild card spot right now. So if the season were to end today, the Cardinals would be welcoming the Phillies into Bush for those three games and the Padres would be heading to Atlanta for that. So Padres have a half game right now on the, uh, on the Phillies in the wild card. Well, both of those teams are dangerous because they can swing the bat. Philadelphia's pitching is really good. Very good. Uh, San Diego's pitching is coming around, Uh, but you know, that's why they're scuffling because their inconsistencies is why they're trying to get in, in that last wild card. So anything can happen between now and the end of the month. And interestingly enough, the only three teams the Cardinals have played over 500 will be San Diego, L.A., and Milwaukee for the whole month of October, or whole month of September. Yeah, the uh, and we will, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see the, uh, the the guy that the Cardinals, I, I guess, missed out on, passed on, however you want to describe it, or however the story went. We will get to see Juan Soto in a Padres uniform this week, along with Josh Bell and their other trade deadline acquisitions. And, uh, you know, when you look at the stats and you look at the records that the Padres have had since the trade deadline, similar to the Yankees, they have not played the best baseball since yeah. uh, since the end of the month, since the end of July, and 
you know, Juan Soto has struggled and he still doesn't have that contract extension either that he uh, that he wanted so badly in in Washington. Well, I don't think the contract extension is going to be a big issue <clears throat> this time to address that. Yeah, he'll get paid. Uh, yeah. But, you know, he he was not playing well. Now, Sunday he played well. You know, he had, I think, three hits. Uh, but he has not been the guy that everyone thought he would be. And I don't know whether it's the lineup, the, the environment. You, you just don't know. But uh, I think we all know he's a very good player. But right now, I think that deal is a wash for both teams. I mean, Washington picked up a shortstop. It's a pretty good player. Uh, but I'm not sure if any of those guys that they brought in are setting the world on fire either. So I think this is one of those deals that's going to have to take a while before anybody actually knows what they have as far as assets are concerned. Well, the uh, the big uh, the big thing to watch this weekend is going to be Albert Pujols in his pursuit of 700 home runs. He is at 698. Ali Ali Marmol tried. He tried to get him there uh, this uh, this weekend in St. Louis, so even going as far as to batting him second in the lineup. One of those games against the Reds to give him as many at bats as uh, as possible. You and I talked about it a few weeks ago. I questioned if Ali would ever hit him leadoff just to get him extra at bats. And I mean, Ali, Ali damn near did, did that. <laughs> the only thing there. he didn't do is like in spring training. When you're trying to get a guy some extra at bats, you sit him on the backfields, and he leads off every inning. You know, <laughs> we almost came to that. And that's only the second time in Albert's career that he hit in a two spot. He did it last year with the Dodgers. Uh, but that's only the second time in all of his career that he's ever hit in a two spot. And I would imagine he's never hit ninth. No, I, I wouldn't think so. I mean, what though? there was one time this year, I think the lineup came out, and he was eighth in the lineup and that was going to be the first time that he ever hit eighth. And then, but then they eventually, you know, somebody got scratched and they moved him up to seventh in the lineup. And that had been done before uh, at some point in his career, but you know, to see, you know, to see how important this is for the franchise and to go kind of, you know, you know, we, well, I mean, you remember back in the, back in what, 99, McGuire would bat second um, on occasion, but that was a completely different situation. That was when McGuire could not play the field, couldn't do anything. And I mean, if he walked in the first inning, he was being subbed out for somebody else to come in and play. And that was completely, that was just to try to get him a, a home run in the first inning, light a spark, and then see where you can go from there. No, you're right. They were completely different. Um, this this has a great <clears throat> excuse me. This has a greater bearing on the game, and you know I'm looking at the rotation. Other than Clevenger, I don't think we're going to see a right-handed pitcher until maybe the weekend, because the Dodgers are going to roll out Kershaw, uh, Urias, and uh, and uh, San Diego's going to roll out. Uh, oh God, you Bla- it's Blake Snell tomorrow. Blake Snell tomorrow. Uh, and, I know. Thursday afternoon. Oh no, it is a righty right now. It's Joe Musgrove set to start okay. on the Thursday afternoon Thursday. game. Uh, Friday's game is right now. It says TBD, but I believe I've also be read Kershaw. it's going to be Kershaw too. Yeah. yeah. So he's so. going to see enough lefties. Now here's the thing: they're all very good lefties. So it's going to be a very interesting confrontation to see him going up against those guys. And let's just, let's just hurry up and get it over with. I want you see you say that and I mean it is fun to watch the Cardinals do have their magic numbers down to seven. I think that it's it's becoming clear that the that two seed is out of reach right now for the Cardinals and they are going to be set in that third spot 
in the uh, in the standings and host those three wild card games. So I don't. I mean, they're they're kind of just playing with house money right now. They're, right. they're you know how just how how many home runs over seven hundred can he get? Where can he end his career? He's out. You know, probably not going to reach Ruth but he's also going to get the 700. So where's he going to fall? Where is his legacy going to be when it's all, uh, when it's all said and done now, here is something to, uh, to, to kind of, I guess a, a discussion to be had something to kind of talk about Friday's game claims. Yeah. Friday's game is on Apple TV. It's a new deal. This, uh, this year we've, we've all, we've seen it. We've dealt with it a couple times. It's for free on Apple TV. If you have a smart TV or you have a fire stick, you download the Apple TV app and you can watch baseball for free, similar to the Sunday morning game on Peacock, which I think the Cardinals have only played once, right? I think they've only done, I think it was out in Pittsburgh, the, one of the games where I think Pujols hit two home runs or and Yachty pitched. I think it was that game was on yeah. Peacock at like 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning. <clears throat> you have, uh, but you have... A situation right now where the audience is going to be limited. Not as many people are watching the game in St. Louis on Apple TV as they would be on Bally. Is that a good or a bad thing for baseball having that on a uh, on a streaming service like that this Friday night? I think it's bad for baseball uh, because in a situation like this, uh, from a local standpoint, you want to have your guys involved in the broadcast, whether it's John Rooney or Dan McLaughlin. But, you know, uh, I'm fortunate enough to be on the radio side, so I know it'll be a person people will recognize a voice with John Rooney on that call uh, if it comes to that. But it is unfortunate uh, for for Apple. It, it's a great feather in their cap. They kind of lucked out and found this game, uh, not knowing the implications that we're going to follow. But it's, it's something we better get used to because there are going to be more and more of these streaming opportunities available. And, you know, let's face it, when they put the schedule together, I don't think they had the, the notion of Albert Pujols having a chance to hit 700 home runs in that equation. But now that it's part of it, you know, it is what it is. And uh, there's going to be a lot of upset people on Friday night when it comes to looking for that game. Take me a little uh, little inside radio business here. How are you guys currently handling? What are some of the uh, discussions that you guys are having when it comes to Albert Pujols at bats right now with how um, how it's being broadcasted, how it's being covered by you guys in the booth? Well, it's that's a good question. You know, um, I had games this weekend with John Rooney. And uh, when I started to look at the schedule and how it would shake out, I just felt it was, it was more important for John to be on that call if 699 was up and it was my inning, I thought it was more important for John to be on it because he's, he's our voice. He's the guy who, you know, people are going to recognize as far as him being part of Cardinal history. And so that was my personal feeling. Uh, it didn't happen, but that was the way I was going with it. As far as how we have it structured, I haven't heard anything or anybody else that has decided they were going to do one thing or another. We'll just play it straight. Uh, the interesting thing is Dan McLaughlin is going to probably be part of that game on Friday night uh, because when he's not on doing, the radio side, on the yeah. radio side. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And again, I don't think anybody thought this far down the road that this could unfold, but it is. But I know I know this. Anybody tunes in on the radio, they're going to have a voice they know. Yeah. And we'll have to go from there. 
And just, I mean, you mentioned, you know, John Rooney being a part of Cardinal history. And I think some people hear that and, you know, older fans, fans that are older than me, Jack Buck was the voice of their childhood of their life. I don't think a lot of people realize that John Rooney now is in his 16th year calling Cardinal baseball. His first season. Third longest, third longest tenured regular Cardinal radio broadcaster. Yeah, his his career or his career in St. Louis started in 2006. He was uh, he was on the call for that World Series in 2006. Ironically, right after he was on the call for the White Sox World Series in 2005, mm-hmm. so he got the call back to back World Series champions. But that is, I mean, that is 16 years now that he has been uh, behind the microphone for the Cardinals, and there are I mean, there are many people out there where that's the only voice that they they know right now. Yeah. And that's why I'm I'm hopeful that he will be on this call. Yeah. So we will uh we'll see. This uh this is uh this big week to do it. And even if you know, just <clears throat> being there during the all-star um during the the home run derby and the all-star game in LA this past July, I don't know if it was just a, a large group of baseball fans that was out there, or if it was just Los Angeles fans, but the love that they showed for Albert Pujols and everything that he did during that week, I mean, it's going to be very welcomed by the fans out there in LA if he happens to do it in Dodger Stadium this uh, this weekend. Yeah, you know that's a that's a very good point you make. Um, he has a lot of friends out here on the coast. You have to remember he was with Anaheim for a number of years, so he's got a lot of friends. He ended up playing for the Dodgers also, and uh, I think. If this is his last games, these will be his last games at Dodger Stadium. And we've been around and we've seen how different teams have responded to him as far as a farewell gift. Hashtag Albert Gift Tracker. If you look that up on Twitter, I've been keeping uh, tabs on those all season long. So I would imagine the Dodgers will give him the best <clears throat> gift of any team we've seen. Because some of these have been embarrassing. What, yep. what Atlanta did was embarrassment. You know what though? And, it's better than it's better than some of the teams that have given him jack shit. There are teams out there that have not given him that didn't do anything for him. So a basket of whatever pecans, it was a basket or, of peanuts and uh, yeah peaches. Yeah, it was, <clears throat> I mean better than by, by, handed them by Marcelo Zuna too. That's uh... yeah. <laughs> um. But he's been getting a, a lot of signs from a scoreboard with the number five. I mean, and, and normally they're signed by the players. I'm not sure if that's a gift that's going to find the, the best wall in my basement. But, I mean, it's it's one of those things where he's getting a lot of different stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and you know what would be another thing that would be kind of funny about him doing that in Los Angeles? Again, look at the years that he spent in Anaheim. And we've talked about it. So I, I saw this stat earlier this week that Albert's OPS this season with the Cardinals is his lowest career OPS in a Cardinal uniform. But if he had this OPS in an Angels uniform, it would be the highest OPS that he ever would have had as an Angel. So that just shows you what happened during those nine and a half years in Anaheim, that they were not getting anywhere close to the Albert Pools that we're seeing in St. Louis, and then he just mad, you know, manages to come back here at 42, <clears throat> and everything about it just he he gets back into that locker room, into that batter's box at Bush Stadium, and that that switch just flips again for him, and he, you know, he finds what he was missing for all those years. 
for him to get to seven home runs in Los Angeles and it to be in Dodger Stadium is another thing that's just going to kill any Angels fans out there. I don't know the Angels had any fans. <laughs> the few that are there, yeah. yes. <laughs> um, you mentioned this might be the last time he's out in L.A. We'll, uh, we'll see because right now the Dodgers have clinched the NL West. They have clinched the uh, – they, they have – earned uh, they're going to be the one seed in the national league and the way that uh, that things set up i mean all roads go through them to get to the world series out of the national league so it very well could be a uh, another playoff preview that the cardinals are seeing this week along with the padres it could be the same thing in uh, in los angeles and now we're starting to see teams start to clinch playoff berths in baseball the yankees have clinched the playoff berth the astros have clinched the playoff berth the mets have clinched a, uh, a playoff spot right now. If we go national league, I, I think that's more wide open than the American league is right now. Who are the biggest threats to the Dodgers for, uh, for the national league uh, pennant? Everybody. And, and here's why I say that the Dodgers haven't had, a, won't have a meaningful game between now and the middle of October. So how do you, push that restart button to get yourself playoff ready when you've been playing a bunch of also rands uh you're gonna have a, a few days off you're gonna have what four days off before you have a chance to play someone else it's a lot of downtime man so i think any team can can go in and give the dodgers a problem early because they just haven't had the, the work so everybody you know this year's playoffs i don't see any walkovers uh, because the teams who get in in that last wild card spot, they're already in playoff mode. Uh, Cardinals are fine tuning themselves, and this is a good test for them before the season ends to play teams that are above 500. You look at the Mets, you just mentioned them. They're trying to work out some things. Um, so I think up and down, there are a lot of teams that have something to play for, and I think they can all be dangerous. So uh, don't let the record fool you because this second season starts and everybody starts with zeros. The uh, and then the American League. Uh, I'm sorry, the Yankees have not officially clinched a playoff berth yet, but uh, they're they're 12 games up on Baltimore right now, who's fourth in the wild card. So I mean, they're they're in the playoffs. Like they're that the AL is pretty much set. Where the National League, there could be some change between three and four in the wild card. The Astros, though, 97 wins on the season. They are clear the clear favorites right now for the one seed out of the uh, out of the American League. But when you look. There, Cleveland right now is going to be uh, is in a spot right now to win the uh, the AL Central, and then the three wild card teams: Toronto, Tampa, and Seattle. You mentioned before we we got on the air that you uh, you really like this Seattle Mariner bunch. Yeah, they can pitch a little bit. Uh, they've got some good young players as far as offense is concerned. Uh, they they could surprise some people. They really could. But I can say that about some other teams in the American League. I, I don't think the American League is as cut and dry. Uh, I think the team to beat, uh, obviously, is Houston because, you know, I thought they would suffer a little bit losing Michael Brantley, but they seem like they found a way to get it going, which leads me to this. We've had some very interesting races. Who, who's the manager of the year in the National and American League? In the National League, I'm, I'm going to go with Buck Showalter. How long was he out of the game before he comes back in and takes over a team in New York of all places? Which, I mean, he's he's familiar with it. He managed the Yankees before. 
But for him to come in to that situation, that's uh, that's not an easy task, especially for – I mean, you saw Tony La Russa come back after a lot of years off last year and had some had success in the regular season but got bounced early in the playoffs. I mean, Buck Showalter comes in, and he's leading the, uh, the Mets right now to the second-best record in the NL. I think he's certainly a qualified candidate. Uh, it doesn't hurt to have Scherzer and DeGrom, although he only had DeGrom for half a season. And Scherzer's uh, been hurt a lot, too. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think Ollie's going to get some votes. Yeah. I mean, he, he's done a nice job. I, I think over in the American League, uh, how can you overlook Dusty and what he's done? Uh, you look at some of these other teams that are scuffling to get in. Uh, you know, and we just mentioned Seattle. I mean, I, I think it's going to be a very interesting uh, debate on who ends up being the manager of the year, which also leads me to who's going to be the MVP. I mean, is it? it's, it's obviously between Judge and Otani. National League, I think it's Goldschmidt's to lose. Yeah. I know Freddie Freeman's putting on a charge from an offensive, uh, from a batting average standpoint. But I think when you look at the impact that Goldschmidt's had on this team in leading in so many categories – uh, player of the month twice. I mean, there's a lot of things about him that certainly merits him being the guy. But uh, but I don't like the voting system. You know, where you have you can vote for a person for a first place vote and a second place. Mm-hmm. Hey, no, you write down who you think is the guy, and that's the only vote that counts. I, I think we've made this thing too complicated for a very simple process. Right. Let me uh, let me throw one other name at you because I do want to talk about the American League uh, MVP. But let me just throw one other name at you. How about Rob Thompson, the manager of the uh, the Phillies right now? Because Joe Girardi got fired. Uh, the Phillies were yeah. bad to start the year, yeah. and the Phillies are going to make the playoffs right now under under new management um, in the middle of the season. Kind of reminds me of what Mike Schilt did that one year when mm-hmm. he took over. Uh, he didn't win it that year, but he won it the next year. Uh, Rob Thompson has done a good job. Uh, I think the only argument would be, well, he wasn't there from the beginning. Right. Understandable. But from where he's taking that team, he, well, let's, face, let's face it, he got the, he got what was expected out of them. You know, he signed a lot of guys for a lot of money, and they weren't getting their money's worth. He's been able to get the best out of them, take on some other projects and get some productivity there. So when it's all said and done, he, he certainly merits a lot of consideration. So here uh, to the debate of the American League uh, MVP. Right now, here are the offensive categories that Aaron Judge leads the American League in. Home runs, runs, RBIs, on-base percentage, slugging percentage, OPS, total bases, extra base hits, and war. Shohei Itani is also top five in most of those categories. And he's also having another damn good year on the mound too. Exactly. Aaron judge has thrown zero innings on the mound this year for the New York Yankees. Well, I think it's between (laughs) the two. Uh, I interviewed Marley Rivera the other day about this and she couldn't divulge her choice, but she's one of the voters, but she made some interesting arguments for both of them. And, And you know what? I could easily accept a tie. Could and that's with the voting the system. And that's what sucks because with the voting system, I mean, they, they, they really should be split. I mean, if you just put people in a room and you said, who's the MVP, 
and they came out and they said, you know what, give one to each. That'd be fine. But with the voting system the way it is, that there's there's very little chance that's going to happen. Well, we've had it happen once with Keith Hernandez and Willie Stargell. Uh, but like I said, once out of 100 plus years. Uh, so um, I just say stand by. I don't think there's a wrong answer here. Let me uh, just quickly back to the National League. What place does Albert come in in the MVP voting? He's probably fifth or sixth. I, I don't think, see yeah. him. So Arenado also I, in that top ten too. Yeah, so the Cardinals Arenado, get three guys yeah. in the top ten. Yeah, I think Arenado's in there. Okay. I think it's Arenado. I think it's Goldschmidt, Freeman, Arenado, or Arenado Freeman. And then you have another level of drop off with players that would be considered on some of the latter ends of the voting stage. But you know, overall, I think there's a. I think it's a three horse race in the National League between those three. Mm. All right. Hey, we uh, will take a uh, quick break. When we come back, we have plenty of football to, uh, to talk about here on the uh, on the show as Claves is out in San Diego with the Cardinals. I'm back here in the uh, the St. Louis area, high of 96 today for uh, for us out here. And this is lunch with Claves and Joe powered by Amron, Illinois and driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura. They are St. Louis Cardinals forever. But every career must come to an end. This season, we say farewell to some of the most legendary players to ever wear the birds on the bat. After countless memories that will always be a part of St. Louis Cardinals history, we invite you to join us for another. Tickets are available to witness the storybook ending. Don't miss your chance to see these Cardinal greats for the last time at Bush Stadium. Get your tickets now at cardinals.com. My name is Jeremy Seabury. I am one of the owners of Pawford K9. Marcus Galmore, co-owner of Pawford K9. What makes us different from other dog companies is there is no breed left behind. We stand by that 120%. We specialize in aggressive behavior modification. We don't turn away. We bring them in for a free, free evaluation to see if we can help the dog. Here at Pawford K9, we focus on the owners educating the owners. How do I get this dog to give me the behaviors that I'm asking for without the treats? Mm -hmm. So that's when me and Marcus come in. We train the dog so when you take the dog home, you don't need the treats. The dog is doing it because you're asking it to. After each training package, we go through a series of lessons. We keep going until the owner gets it. We make sure that they go over the beatings with their dog and that dog is listening before they, before they leave here, but also we follow up when they get home is your pup listening to you here? If it's not, we one phone call away, we'll make a trip. We got the Pawfick Mobile where we go out to their homes and make sure their dog is okay. Back here, lunch with Klaibs and Joe, powered by Amron, Illinois, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura. We were out at Munganass Alton uh, Toyota just last week. Saw the uh, the lot of used cars that they have uh, out there. Plenty of used cars available there and also at Munganass St. Louis Acura out there on Manchester. Look them up online, stlouisacura.com, altontoyota.com. Klaibs, uh quickly, I don't think we have to spend a whole lot of time on the college football weekend that uh, that we saw. 
it just, you know, after, after so many good games in the first two weeks of the uh, season, week three was kind of a dud, a lot of blowouts all, all over the, uh, the college football scene. Well, I think there's a couple of reasons for it. The, the skill level is increased as far as some of your non-conference games. Then you also have some conference games, uh, like what happened to Arkansas. Uh, I'm sorry, South Carolina. Um, you know, everybody thinks that's a good idea, and I personally think it is when you can play a conference game in September. But when it's all said and done, it wasn't. It didn't have the hype this weekend. It's from a scheduling standpoint. But I want. I will say this: this the natives are already restless about some of these coaching situations. I mean, obviously Nebraska. How you can even form your lips to say Urban Meyer as a consider uh, <laughs> considered person? I don't get. Uh, Herm Edwards is out. Uh, Matt Campbell seems to be everybody's favorite right now. Uh, you saw what what um, Penn State went went and did to Auburn at Auburn. Missouri has them this week. So there's a lot of things that, that I think you're going to start to see change uh, after this weekend as far as the scheduling, as far as the competition and results are concerned. Yeah, uh, Ohio State put up 77 points this weekend. Alabama put up 63 points this weekend. Michigan, 59 points in uh, in their game. Their opponents scored a, uh, a grand total of uh, 28 points in those uh, in those three games. So they uh, yeah, the top five teams were not playing a whole lot of competition this this uh, weekend. Um, you, you mentioned Nebraska and Urban Meyer being linked to them right now. I don't know where that even came from, how that uh, how that connection was made. But you you also mentioned the Herm Edwards one, which I think kind of went under the radar. I, I think a lot of people miss that. But one of the names that is emerged as a favorite for that Arizona State job, Claves, is Deion Sanders. What he has done yeah. so far at Jackson uh, Jackson State. Uh, what do you uh, What do you think of him jumping into? Uh, well, I heard I heard his name mentioned. I think Deion is fine. I think he's got still work to do at Jackson State. I mean, he can recruit. He's getting some of the best players in the country to show up there. The Arizona State thing, they, first of all, they're going to walk – whoever takes that job is going to walk into a program that's going to go on probation, mm-hmm. okay? So do you want to have that headache? Because that's going to hurt you recruiting-wise. So there's got to be some assurances uh, from the administration and from the looks of things. Uh, Ray Anderson could be the next guy out because he's the athletic director there. And Ray, I've known Ray for a long time. Uh, he's an agent for a long time as well. Uh, so, but things aren't going well at Arizona State, so they may clean house with everyone. So, I'm not sure if any coach who goes there is going to have the security that he needs unless he's hired by the next administration. As far yeah. as Dion's concerned, uh, can he do things like that? Yeah, I sure. Dion's a good football man, he's done a phenomenal job at Jackson State and given that program a lot of credibility, and, and he's winning on the field. But you know, he, he should be considered for a lot of jobs at this point. I mean. There's a lot of schools that should be looking for a guy like Deion Sanders to come in and do some things. But if you're going to do it, you got to kind of do it his way as far as how he, he runs his show. And if some people are comfortable with that, then they're going to have themselves a really good football coach. Now, I know you know Deion. You know people around uh, around him. He took that Jackson State job because he was passed over for a few other jobs. People didn't think he was ready to run the show at a, uh, at a big-time Division One school. Is there any part of Dion that's comfortable where, I mean, he doesn't need the money. 
he doesn't he he doesn't need that. The money's not going to be something that's going to draw him to another place. If he's having fun there at Jackson State, if he's bringing in top recruits, is there part of him that maybe wants to see how far he can take that, how much he can build that program up just to show yeah. other people what they missed out on? I think you spot on. Uh, there's no urgency for him to leave. He, you know, he still has some work to do there. His sons are playing there, and he's bringing in some really good players. He brought in the top player in the country. He brought in the number two receiver in the country. Uh, they started to get some offensive linemen committing there. So there's no urgency for him to to move on. Uh, and I think because he has some unfinished business, uh, he will be there for another year, perhaps two. It'll be, uh, you know, it'd be fun to see the, just a, a school like Jackson State to become some sort of powerhouse in college football. They might and... be the best team in the state right now, state of <laughs> Mississippi. <laughs> it won't be long. Hey, did you, uh, you miss, speaking of Mississippi, do you happen to see Eli Manning in his, uh, in his Penn State? Hilarious. Uh... Hilarious. <laughs> What's his name? Chad Powers? Chad Powers, yeah. yeah. Chad Powers runs fast. Yeah, uh, it was hilarious. <laughs> the makeup, the hair, the whole nine yards. Uh, that, that was hilarious. I, I, I love when I see those sort of things. Yeah, it was uh, it was good to see. The question that. is, how can you keep that a secret for so long? You you let certain people know about it. You let yeah, you know you, you let certain hard, people man. know about just, it. But I just think that you know James Franklin obviously was in on it. But you know I think I'd have to stop there because I think just the 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 celebrity status would probably let the cat out of the bag. But it was it was a good one. I enjoyed it. Yeah, the uh, they had the Manning cast in week one. They uh, they brought that back. Yesterday was a double header on uh, an ESPN for uh, for Monday Night Football. The Bills, I'm man. I, I mean, I I think I said it beginning of the year that Josh Allen was going to do something. You know, he he'd been he fell short of the MVP the last two years, and I thought this year he was going to put it all together and finally win it. And through two games, you beat the defending Super Bowl champions. You beat last year's number one seed out of the AFC, and they've done so handedly, scoring 77 points in their uh, their two games. Right now, the Bills seem like the real deal, and they seem like a team that's uh, destined to maybe go 17-0. and What are you smoking? Nobody's going 17-0. and Oh. Nobody's going 17. See, here, you, you drank the, the early season Kool-Aid. I have. Yeah, they yeah played I have. two games. Yes. Bills let Mafia, this, yes. Let this, let this play out. Deal with the injury. What do they look like on the backup front? Uh, there's so many things that go into this. Uh, I don't. They're not going 17 and 0. I can I can promise you that. 15 and 2. I'm fine with that. Oh, that's, okay, that's good. Too. I, you know what the coolest thing about last night was seeing Marv Levy on the field. Marv Levy's 97. Started his coaching career Country Day here in St. Louis, and I've known Marv. Gosh, 40 years, and Still an energetic person, the nicest man you're going to meet, uh, very giving, tough in his own way, and just revered by his players who play for him. He's 97. Yeah. yeah. They also they, they had a uh, they had a pretty cool pregame ceremony honoring the victims of the grocery store shooting in the uh, the Buffalo area with Bruce yeah. Smith out there on uh, at midfield with all the families there too. So that was that was pretty emotional to see that uh, last night as well. Bruce Smith, pound for pound, uh, one of the five greatest defensive linemen ever mm-hmm. to play the game, period. Yep. 
And not because of the sack total. He played the run as well as anybody playing on the edge like that. So uh, anytime I see Bruce Smith, I light up. Yeah. So the uh, so you had that, and also too, I, this was you know it was pointed out a few times on uh, on Twitter last night by by NFL people watching the game. But you saw how bad the Titans looked last night. They're now zero and two on the uh, on the year, and you see the other Monday night football game. You see AJ Brown having a big game for the Eagles where the Titans were like, yeah, you know what? We don't, we, we think we can move on without you. We think that you, you know, you're not that important of a piece to us. Go ahead, you know, head to Philadelphia. And then you see them going, you know, counterparts on TV at the same time where those are the only two games going on last night. And you kind of see how much of a difference AJ Brown made. Well, it just depends on where you're at, the system and your surroundings. Uh, it, they've gone as far as they can go with AJ Brown in Houston. Uh, I'm sorry, Nashville. And uh, th- those things happen. Uh, and, you know, he he landed on his feet. I've, I've told you all along, I thought Philadelphia is one of the sleeper teams, and I'm anxious to see how they are at the halfway mark. Uh, their offensive line gets some things done. Uh, Jalen Hurts is playing really well, makes good decisions. And uh, their defense was really good last night. And so uh, we're still figuring out what teams are actually good, but I think I'm going to put Philadelphia in there by what I've seen so far. Before the season started, I, I'm pretty sure I sat here and I said that the Colts were going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL this uh, this year. And so far through two games, they tied the Texans in week one, and then they put up zero against the Jaguars in, uh, in week two. And I don't get that because Jonathan Taylor is one of the best runners in the game. They've got a good offensive line. So where is the problem? Obviously, defensively, it's hard for them to tackle people. But they they have to be better than what we're seeing the first two games. There is a, I mean, there really has not there there has been I would say a lot more bad football through these first two weeks. Joe, than, it's always this way. I know, and I was going to say it is yeah. always this way, and we've even seen we've we've seen it get worse and worse over the years. We've we're now seeing less preseason games. We're seeing less workouts in in training camp, and we're seeing these teams need more time to go to go in. But I think when you see who the bad teams are and you know going into the season who the bad teams are going to be, and then you see more and more like the Colts, you know, how bad they have been to start the year. I just think, you know, it's I don't know how far away we are from this being similar to like the NBA or like baseball, where it is just top heavy, top six teams, and then everybody else is just playing for next year. Well, you're you're on to something. I tell you, and I've said this before. I think I'd like to see relegation implemented in the NFL and put them in the USFL or whatever that minor league. Uh, the XFL, Battlehawks, yeah. Kakao. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, because you're right, but I think here's where it stands out. Um, because when we're accustomed to seeing Detroit and Cleveland and some of those teams be bad, I think we're used to seeing – Balt, uh, Indianapolis and some other teams that are starting to trend in that direction. Uh, and then on the other side of that coin, you look at the AFC uh, West and all those teams could be playoff worthy. Yeah. Bad. Uh, I mean, it was bad, uh, bad breaks or, or bad uh, letdowns for the Raiders 
um, this week and the Browns too. The the lead that the Browns lost in their game and the the one the Raiders lost. That's I don't know if that's bad coaching, if that's bad defense. I don't know what that uh, what you account that to. Combination of both. I think because you don't have guys on the field enough to practice uh, because of the rules and everything else. You just you not you don't have enough game environments to yeah. experiment with. Uh, and coaches try and get a little too cute. I understand. Uh, it's a long season, but when it's all said and done, you have to worry about winning this Sunday, not two or three weeks from now. And um, you have some, you got a lot of new coaches too. Mm-hmm. throw that into the equation. A lot of guys haven't been in this situation. So it's a culmination of things. It's not one particular thing. And I, I'm, I'm anticipating many of these teams will be better by week six or seven. Uh, not to say they're going to win a division or anything like that, but they're going to be much improved from what we see now. Klaibs, we will uh, wrap up the uh, the show today. Want to let everybody know some of the other things that we have going on. Uh, first off, over on the uh, the Joe West podcast, fifty four sixty, the Joe West podcast, uh, John Shambi interview with uh, with ESPN and uh, the Marquee Networks. John Shambi, a a fun short interview that uh, that you guys did uh, did all together. All three of you guys in the same room uh, talking. I feel like when you when you have all three people in the same room over. Uh, instead of over the computer this way, I think that there's a, a lot more energy there. And I think you get a different vibe when you uh, when you conduct an interview that way. So that's available right now when you search 5460, the Joe West podcast coming up on um, this website, on this podcast network this week, uh, Daily Cards Live, me and Rammer each and every day this week. And it's going to be various times, too, since they're on the West Coast and those games are a little later at uh, at night, Klaibs, you and um, you and Howard Richards will get together for uh, for your show and a new episode of the Dr. Rick podcast also dropping tomorrow as well. So uh, a lot to a uh, lot to get to. What do you have planned out there in uh, in California this week? Um, a lot of baseball. Um, just just, you know, taking it one step at a time. I don't really you know. You know, when you've been in the business, you know, people in different cities. But I try to limit how much wait time I'm going to have because, you know, I can be out every night and get home right before first pitch. Um, but I'm going to kind of go in a slower direction and just kind of enjoy the time around and really just kind of take in the whole Albert Yachty thing on the road. Uh, I'm anxious to see how that unfolds. You, you got an entire month of October ahead of you to, uh, to prep for you got to, you yeah, got to pace he, yourself he, because of California, you know, that's the thing you do have to pace yourself because this is where the grind period comes. I mean, there are obviously some teams that don't know what this is about, but I'm I'm kind of used to it, so I have to take a deep breath and get ready for my second win because it's coming. Well, um, when uh, when do you predict Albert breaks uh, past the 700 this week? Well, I predicted Saturday, this past Saturday, so I'm going to go with probably Friday of this week. All right, so the Apple, you think, the Apple TV game, Albert uh, gets the 700 yeah. on Apple TV. Or, you know, it's not like you can choose what day you want to break a record, okay? So, I mean, we've, we've seen him go out there before and say he's going to do something and does it, so. Yeah. Um, as long as he doesn't get overly consumed with it, and I don't think he will, I think we're going to be in good shape. All right. We will have plenty of playoff talk for you uh, next week and throughout. I mean, this is going to be your uh, your home. I mean, Klebs is with you. Every single game the uh, the Cardinals play for the rest of 2022, and I'll be there for as much as I can 
as well. So uh, make sure that you subscribe to all of the podcasts that we have here on Claves Online and check out all of the stuff that we have for you each and every week. For Mike Claiborne, I'm Joe Roderick. This has been another edition of Lunch with Claves and Joe, powered by Ameren, Illinois, and driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura. We'll talk to you soon. St. Louis Acura has an unbeatable selection of new cars arriving daily, like the all-new 2023 Acura Integra. We also have a great selection of over 200 pre-owned and factory precision courtesy vehicles with finance rates as low as 1.9% for 36 months with approved credit. And we've added Saturday service hours to our newly renovated service facility. Don't forget, we'll buy your vehicle here at our dealership or from the convenience of your home. St. Louis Acura, better than ever for you.